Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to On the Wing Podcast with Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. I am be- almost beside myself with excitement. <laughs> Captain's already laughing at to me, laughing at me. This is a uh, a really special episode of On the Wing. This is an episode about um, some dear friendships, and many of them created through through hunting. And how friendships are critical to the future of conservation and habitat and uh, kind of this pastime we all care about. And with that introduction, I look to my right, <laughs> and he's a little uncomfortable because he's normally driving the ship when we, uh, when we do radio on KFAN in the Twin Cities every Saturday morning from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., I have been on the radio virtually every Saturday. He'll give me a little bit of grief stay, saying that I take a few Saturdays off in the hunting season and I skip out just on a them. few, just a few. <laughs> but uh, he's normally um, in the big chair hosting the show. But we've got a little role reversal for the captain, Billy Hildebrand, my my mentor of eleven years on radio, and one of the best friends I have in this world. And somebody I look up to and admire, and I welcome you to On the Wing Podcast, and I love seeing you not know what to do because you're not leading the show, Captain. <laughs> How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It, uh, the, I, I have, uh, sometimes I just have a, an, a I, I sometimes take over, and, and some, I, I really don't want to do that in this case. Um, well, if you do, I'll be used to it, so just go for it. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is nice to be here. It's, nice to, it's actually fabulous to be talking about hunting and talking about uh, something that's, that's really, really special to me, and that's new hunters and, of course, pheasants forever because... Uh, it's been so many years, and I stand in front of a lot of groups of people telling people why I believe in Pheasants Forever and how special and important it is. And I, I think that uh, the whole world needs to know that, especially if they love if they love wildlife and they love wild things, because it's crucial. Anyway. Well, I want to dip into <coughs> your story a little bit more but i will uh, go around the table and and jump across to my my right hand man in the office the director of marketing at pheasants forever he hasn't been on the pod- podcast since the rooster road trip yeah you guys uh, gave me full control and then it was suddenly taken away <laughs> from me so i'm not sure what i did while traveling through south dakota to, to rock the boat but uh Glad to be back here. I knew you guys had a close relationship. I didn't realize it was going to be such a crush fest here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's, it's cute. I mean, the best ships are friendships, so let's, let's keep it going. It's exactly why I invited you on. <laughs> uh, keep it light. And, uh, and our featured guest, our newest friend, our newest hunter, uh, Dead Man Winter himself, <laughs> the the lead singer of Trampled by Turtles, our, our good friend, Dave Simonette. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, t- today we're gonna um, we're gonna talk a little bit about um, R3, which in our world that means recruit, retain, reactivate hunters. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to talk about it in the sense of you know acronyms uh, don't do anything for me exactly they they really don't i 
and I, we talk about recruiting hunters, we re, bringing more people into it, and and I think the experience itself, if you can, if you can encourage somebody, and I talk this with my sons about uh, their friends or a girlfriend coming along, and my wife in some cases, just come along. You don't need to carry a gun at first. In fact, maybe that's not your deal. But what you'll experience is so unique that you got to love it. Mm-hmm. If you love hearing the birds sing, if you love the air, and you love just getting away from the city, the hustle and bustle of the city, and people honking their horn or flipping you off. <laughs> I mean, or I don't <laughs> drive just like you do. <laughs> I know, but, but somebody on, on, you know, riding your tail on your mm. car, tailgating, just drives me nuts. And I feel like I get out into a country road where I was day before yesterday. And it just, it, it, everything kind of releases a little bit. Mm. And you get out there and you go for a long walk like, like we did that day. And you start at 9 o'clock in the morning, get back about 3, and your legs feel like they're going to fall off, and you've had a marvelous time <laughs> along the way. But it's the, the camaraderie and the exercise mm-hmm. um, and the seeing the birds and, and seeing the dogs work. I mean, some of my best friends are f- have four legs. <laughs> And they have had for 50 years. Um, And I I don't know what I'd do without it. So as far as bringing people into the sport, and I have thoughts about young people too, but bringing people into the sport, if you can just get them to come along and get them geared up so they they know what to expect as far as they're going to work, they're Mm going to walk, they're going to have a great time. But if you give somebody tennis shoes and tell them to come along hunting and you give them a, a short sleeve shirt and you tell them it's going to be 33 degrees outside, I mean, if they're going to have a miserable time. Mm-hmm. If it's raining and really, really cold and they have a rotten time, they aren't going to want to do it again. But if you tell them and, and make sure that they have a great time, what, it helps. You know, you've you've um, mentored or fathered two sons into the outdoors what were some of the key components to chad and eric you know chad now works for soil and water conservation Mm -hmm. district eric works for the minnesota dnr they not only became outdoors men and hunters but uh they're they've kind of devoted their entire lives to this sort of passion and and, uh, a conservation ethic what uh how'd you start them off i i think that one of the key points for any adult to introduce a child, and I don't care if it's fishing or hunting, when you take that child along, it's for them. I mean, it because too many people in this day and age, in my opinion anyway, want to get away. They want to escape their job in the city. They just want to get away. And when they do that, they want to do it for themselves. But if you're going to, if it's important to you to introduce a child, a young person to the sport, you need to do it for them. And I've made some mistakes and I was called on it a couple times and I, I never let it happen again. But you need what, to... What kind of mistakes? I, and it had to do with fishing. Hmm. 
and and one time in hunting too because when the kids were little uh, eric was little i got on a walk for me Mm. okay and you gave me a nickname of billy big walk (laughs) okay (laughs) yes and i i did i got going on one of those so you left the truck and you were you were hell-bent trying to kick back birds yeah yeah and we walked a long way, and I, I remember that truck was about, oh, about matchbook size off in the distance. And Eric looked at me, and he says, Dad, I don't think I can make it. And I said, come on, you can make it. And I did the same thing fishing. I mean, we got on the Lake Minnetonka, and Eric, we, they weren't biting, and he said he wanted to go home. I said, come on, we drove 45 minutes to mm. get here. Just let's go. And he got tears in his eyes, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, man. I am so sorry, and I never forgot that. You got to adjust the uh, the activity level for the kids. Yeah, right? and I've done that when I've taken my kids fishing. The few times I did last year for our first time, where by the end of the year, when I was going with them, I didn't even bring a rod. Right. Because I was, the you know the, you just kind of have to spend the whole time making sure that they're okay. Yes. And especially early on, and maybe this is what you guys were alluding to before, is that the first few times I do something like that. I think the parents' job, if they want them to continue doing it, is just to make sure they don't hate it. Right. You know, that doesn't have to be successful. You don't have to, you don't have to catch a limit. Uh-uh. But they just have to have, enjoy it. And for that, they need your attention, right? Yeah. And, and hunting is exactly the same way. So when we went hunting, and, and both boys, when they were growing up, I hunted all the time with them. And they became, each one, there's seven years difference between them. And... Each one became my very best friend. Hmm. And we stayed in motels together. We ate in in restaurants together. We had sandwiches together. We started the the special sandwich (laughs) when they were kids. (laughs) Which is, I heard heard about this in our trip. (laughs) Um, The special sandwich is usually dad ended up making the sandwiches. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'd put a little something-something in in one of the sandwiches. (laughs) Not bad. Right. But just a surprise. Yeah. I mean, it might have been horseradish. And, <laughs> uh, you know, nobody liked mustard, so it was horseradish and mustard. Oh, good. It's just one out of the group of sandwiches. One out of the sandwiches. So usually, in fact, I don't know if Dad ever got that sandwich because I waited until it was found before I ate. <laughs> <laughs> So it got to be just a, a tradition, and it's carried on to this day, obviously. Oh, yes, yeah. That's fantastic. I've eaten the special sandwich <laughs> on many occasions. <laughs> Somehow Bob always gets oh, it. Sriracha. Yeah, good yep. thing I like sriracha. <laughs> so when, when Eric, who was the oldest one, when he went off to college, I went into, uh, I, I almost, I, 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 it was like somebody had died. And I, I just was full of remorse at the time. I didn't know. And all of a sudden, I kicked myself in the hind end. And I said, man, you've got another son. Mm. And then Chad, all of a sudden, when he didn't have to compete, mm-hmm. then he gravitated to hunting. And now and then you two got to spend some time, just the two of you doing yes. that stuff. Yeah. And that's what was crucial. And I think if I could tell anybody to do this, if they're a father or a mother, you've got a son or a daughter, just do it for your child. And it doesn't have to be your daughter or son. It can be a neighbor. It can be an aunt. It can be an uncle. Right. Um, 
in certain cases, you could transfer that same philosophy over to adults. Mm-hmm. Just make sure they're having a great time. I think it, that you can definitely do that with adults. And, yeah. they, you know, they might be able to handle a little bit more of the the physical work involved in the activities. But still, I think the the main the main goal should be just make sure it's kind of light and they have a good time. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're responsible for somebody else doing something for the first time. I was thinking about that when Billy was talking about the Billy Big Walk. <laughs> that first hunt we ever took you on. That was a pretty good walk. We, uh, yeah, we, we took you on a big hike. Yeah. <laughs> well, good you thing know, I, good thing I, I liked big hikes. As we, as we started this whole endeavor, I watched him because I didn't know Dave then. Right. And when we got going, I, I'd kind of saunter over and I, you okay? Mm-hmm. You all right? How you doing? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, he can look out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to look out for this guy. Well, well there's truth in that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so we will transition to, to the story of Dave Simonette and how he got to be sitting at this table as one of our very it's an honor, by hunting the way. friends. Not, not at all, because, you know, I... I uh, here on my notes, and I, I know you're like, oh, you can't say that. On but <laughs> as I think about, you know, and I know there's only, a, a, I'm going to name a few more musicians on the Mount Rushmore of Minnesota musicians and actually on the true Mount Rushmore. But you, when you think about Minnesota musicians, you certainly think about Bob Dylan, Prince, The Replacements, Soul Asylum, and you think about Trampled by Turtles. You guys are way up there on, on, on the fabric that, of the culture in Minnesota. And so so tell us it's how... a lot of ha- pressure. Well, and, <laughs> you know, we've talked about it on, on KFAN, like for Minnesotans, your music, whether it's Dead Man Winter, Trampled, a yet-to-be-determined solo project, <laughs> <Right. laughs> is the... Uh, is the soundtrack to Min- for Minnesotans' outdoor adventures. When they go to the Boundary Waters, when they go on their summer vacations, you know, they, they put the Palomino CD in and, and you know, they, they play that as their soundtrack to freedom into the outdoors. That's got to make you well, feel I've incredibly <coughs> pretty. Well, I will say that uh, I'd be pretty honored to be connected to those experiences for other people, that's for sure, you know. That's where I. That's where I'm at my happiest, and I definitely have music that I listen to in those situations as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's great. What do you listen to in that situation when you're going on your getaway? Well, it. De- I guess it depends where I'm headed. I, but a lot of times when I'm out, when I get out on my own, I mean, on my way to somewhere like that. Say I'm going up to the Boundary Waters or something like that. I tend to listen to a lot of my old friends from Duluth mm-hmm. because I think that when I live there. Um, and that was my introduction to that whole part of the world. And so I have so much, a lot of connections with like Charlie Parr and Lowe and bands from that neighborhood that I'd, you know, I'd go see their show in town and then the next day we'd be hiking on the trail or something. So it kind of brings me back a little bit. So how did you end up at this table? Where, what was <coughs> your connection to Finding the beginning the is outdoors. a hard, hard thing to do. Uh, oh, well, Mike, I guess... I, f- I fell in love with the outdoors when I would say I was 13 or 14 years old, right? I didn't, I grew up when I was a, when I was a kid, I fished, uh, my dad fished a little bit. My grandpa was obsessive about it. And we'd spend a lot of the time in the summertime at my grandparents' cabin. And that was just what we did every day. 
Um, but that one was when I was a pretty little kid. Uh, when I got into you know middle school, high school age, um, my dad. We lived in Mankato, mm-hmm. so my my dad um, started venture, really wanting to go venture up on the North Shore of Lake Superior, and my sister and mom weren't very interested in the idea, so I I was the sole travel partner in that, and we started exploring and uh, hiking kind of large chunks of the Superior Hiking Trail. Um, you know, camping in the state parks and then, then gradually backpacking in and, and that, and I, I mean that it changed my life. Mm. And I knew the first time we did that, I already decided when I, when I came over the the crest of that hill into Duluth on 35, I knew exactly where I was moving when I was done with high school. Mm. I mean, I was that married to that area. Um, and then living up there just kind of multiplied all of it, you know, and I got into a little bit more into like trout fishing and uh, a little bit more intense, backpacking and canoe trips and stuff like that so i think it was probably about a year ago may um, sounds right you know we um we we had interacted on twitter uh for probably a year year and a half Mm -hmm. you i could tell you were listening to fan outdoors because you were interacting during the show yeah (laughs) and you uh, guys were a gem i mean i moved to minneapolis i i I don't know. I was a confused person when I moved to town, right? I, I didn't really want to, like, leave leave the North Shore. Mm-hmm. It was kind of my – I felt like I might live there for the rest of my life. But life took me to <clears throat> – well, at least in my opinion at that time, it was a large city, and I was just kind of scrambling around to find things I could connect with in that area. And eventually, um, after a few years, I, w- I was working construction, and then I was working on this roofing crew. And they had K fan on every morning, right? And at first, it drove me crazy. <laughs> like, somebody play some music, please. I can't listen to these guys talk about sports all day. I want to shoot a nail gun at somebody, man. Uh, and then uh, it's something changed at some point. And I think this is the way of uh, maybe a lot of people relate to talk radio is uh-huh. those voices kind of become like your soundtrack of the day. Uh-huh. And you start to feel like you know these people a little bit which might be kind of weird for you guys behind the mic, but people feel like they know you, you know, because yeah. a lot of a lot of the people on that station are pretty open. But um, that directly led me to having it on at my house and eventually on at my house early one Saturday morning. And there you guys were. And I was like, thank God, <laughs> it's an outdoor show. <laughs> this is great. And, you know, I mean, at the time, um, I wasn't into hunting and I, I, I've always, you know, fishing has always been great for me, but it's never been a lifestyle. It's been yeah. a hobby, you know? Um, but the way you guys talk about the outdoors is more than just the sport of it. It's about, um, conserving it and making sure, making sure that, that the, th- the environment in which we do the things we love is kept around forever or as long as we can. And that side of it really attracted me to the radio show. So I became a pretty instant fan. And, you know, about a year ago, we had you on and we talked about fishing mm-hmm. while you're on the road and trout fishing. And I think after we were done with that um, interview, you know, I said, you ever interested in going hunting? And it, it took you like 30 seconds to respond. Yeah. Is it something that you had always contemplated? No, not at all. But I have I have contemplated before, but it's never been something. I wasn't striving to find it or anything. But why not? You know, mm-hmm. I already like to be out there, and um, it's and you know, really listening to you guys talk about it um, made me excited to try it out. I mean, uh, the, how passionately you two and then other people you have on the air 
felt about it and how how like what Billy was saying it's it's it becomes a lifelong pursuit um it seemed you know if I had it seemed like a pretty good way to try it out for the, for the first time if I was going to do it you know with you guys so it was an easy decision and it was you fit right in I mean that's the other thing too because you were and I, with new people I hunt with, I always watch how they handle their firearm. Sure, yeah. And are they <clears> safe? <throat> and, you know, what drives me nuts is when somebody stands and talks to you and puts their hand over the muzzle of the yeah. gun <laughs> and just kind of leans there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's petting a dog backwards because I can't do that. Mm. And the kids will come up to me and say, Dad, did you see that? Right. And you were just very, very conscious about what you were doing. And there's a lot to, I know a lot of the people listening here have probably been doing this for their whole life. So maybe they don't remember that how much there is to think about in that scenario when it is new, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, well, good. I'm glad, I, I'm glad that it came across that way. Cause but I, it was funny because you know. that first, um, it, the first conversation was, what do I need? Right. And yeah. I said, well, you need a license, uh-huh. right? And and you tried to buy a license. Yeah, it's like, oh, damn, it. I need a, a gun hunter safety, safety course. Right? <laughs> so you had to take uh, hunter safety online while you're on, on the tour. road. Yeah, right, because so you had just dropped uh, Life is Good on, an op- on the open yeah, road. Yeah, so we were out with Trampled by Turtles, and every night in between soundcheck and the show, I was backstage doing my hunter safety <laughs> course. <laughs> For, you know, and it's... <laughs> It's pretty long, right? So I was. It took me like a week or something, hours a day. Um, yeah, yeah but it was like ten hours I, worth, right? You know, when I found out I had to do it, I was like, "This seems kind of silly." But when I went through it, I realized that it's not silly at all. Like mm. this, this is very necessary. You know, so much of the stuff that I learned through doing that, um, I had no, I didn't know. And I didn't even know what was necessary. You know what I mean? Yep. It just feel like I, I mean, I'd shot shotguns before. I know, you know, I know where to point it, whatever. That was, a, it was an ignorant opinion in my case. So it was, it was good. And then I, when I was going through it, I actually, I kind of looked forward to that time every day. Cause it was, inter- it was, I was really interested in the material hmm. and it was, some of it was kind of challenging. So it was good. And that's something that I think if you grew up hunting, in my case, and my father hunted all, right. and I grew up doing it. And my boys, too, the same way. I mean, they were hunting when they could just walk. They mm-hmm. were having just pop guns, and they went along. We practiced that. We practiced safety with just an air cock gun. They had no projectiles whatsoever. Right. Mm-hmm. And that becomes second nature. It is, exactly. But to an adult, and it's difficult, I, 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 uh, I applaud you in the sense that you made that effort to go ahead and do it because sometimes adults don't want to admit, and it's difficult to admit, I don't know something. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You know, we hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, I i mean, I, I'm, I'm an adult, but I have no reason to believe that that should be, uh, you know, that I should have done everything I'm going to do, and I'm just going to do what right. I've done already for yeah. the rest of my life. Mm. Because there, as I found out through my experience in hunting, you know, trying something like that can, can add, it's already added so much to my life. And it gives me, uh, I have have so many more things that I look forward to in the year now. Hmm. So it's worth it. And it's not, I mean, like, like what Billy was saying, when you're talking about getting somebody new in, if I were to do that, I think the way that, you know, just go and see it, you know, I I feel like we, when we talked about this before that 
hunting in particular, and I can speak to this because I didn't grow up doing it and I tried it out, is that I think the general opinion of people that don't hunt or haven't grown up hunting is that it's, they maybe they miss their chance to do it. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like they don't know how. And like you were saying, it's a little, you don't want to go out and look like an idiot in front of people. But uh, that's that's silly to me. Well, well, there's so much negative press about Well, guns, there's that too, yeah. And it, it, it need not be there. <coughs> it need not be there at all because the 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 firearm your hunting firearm is just a just a tool like a hammer absolutely and you respect the hammer if you hit yourself in the thumb with that hammer I bet you're not going to do it again yeah um and and uh, you just you you respect it and yet it's the the means to an end and i i've the older i've gotten as i do shoot something mm-hmm. i the the challenge is there, and I uh, the the chase is there, and I absolutely love it. But I have the utmost respect for those animals that are the prey of my of me. Mm-hmm. And when I do manage something, and I manage it not too much, <laughs> <laughs> makes it even more special that way. But I, I do I I. I do. I give thanks for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as I think, as you, sh- as we all should. Yeah. And that's a wonderful added, and that kind. Of, I don't think that kind of attitude maybe gets enough press. I, you know I, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but I think that young, brand new, young adult hunters, it's a macho kind of thing. Sure. And I've I've been there. Bob is just leaving that stage, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he's still engrossed in it. <laughs> <laughs> Where you got? Oh, you should have seen him swearing at those plays <laughs> earlier. <man>. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and the limit is crucial. Yeah, and m- my uh, my oldest is still there. My youngest is not necessarily there hmm. because primarily he hasn't. Ha- he's only done it one time on his own. Right. And now, when he was able to to get his own limit with his own dog, it was. A monumental task, and he was so proud of him. So. Sure, I'd like to. I'd like to hear the memory of the, your first hunt in your words, um, Dave. Just sure. talk us through. You know what? You know where? Let's see. That occurred opening we right after opening weekend in October of the Minnesota <coughs> yeah, the, season. The end of was it Sunday that came up? Yeah, you uh, you landed from tour. And joined uh, the the captain has an annual pheasant hunting open air camp. Yeah, that I was there for with his boys for a couple of days, and uh, we we hunted slash scouted. We kind of were before ma- we were we were <laughs> trying to find exactly where we wanted to take you. Well, I appreciate that. <coughs> but but what do you remember? We did well, save it though. Oh, you did. Well, sort of, <laughs> sort of. We, we, we hunted it. Not successfully yeah. on Saturday, and then we let it rest yeah. Sunday. <laughs> so. And we were hunting all public land, yeah. but we knew that uh, we had found a pretty yeah. good spot. Ended up being a pretty great spot. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I, f- I don't remember where I was coming from. I'd have to look back. Uh, but I flew in somewhere. My tour had ended, and I got home to Minneapolis and uh, packed up my truck and drove up for my very first time to the Hildebrand cabin, yeah. uh, which was at a beautiful place i don't know when i think it's what i think of when i think of a cabin billy that's that's it like in minnesota it was it was pretty 
I was happy it was that when I drove down the driveway. I'll say that. Um, and I walked in the door, and I I, I would say um, I wasn't nervous because I knew I feel like we Bob and I had started to get to know each other all right, and I'd met Billy. Uh, I didn't know your sons, but um, I knew there was a group of guys in there that that had uh, that were, in my opinion, probably experts at what we were about to go do, and that I was really just going to try to not make a complete idiot out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I walked in, and and uh, you know I was greeted with such uh, such such a friendly feeling and vibe from the the whole crew. Everybody looked so happy. Been hunting for a couple days. Um, and I saw immediately kind of how you guys were brought together by the sport and it, it looked great. Everybody looked exhausted and happy <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, we sat down, had a beer, introduced myself to the, the boys, petted some dogs and then had <laughs> a lot of dogs. Uh-huh. <laughs> was, yeah. There's a lot of dogs in that cabin, man. Yeah. So just as a count, Eric has two goldens. Yeah, Chad has a Brit, uh, Brit. You had two Brits, and I had two short hairs. So seven dogs. Seven dogs. You didn't because you didn't bring her back on that first time. No, trip. I figured I better wait a while before I introduce you guys <laughs> yeah, to yeah. her back. Yeah, <laughs> he's a very special dog, but he's not a hunting dog. <laughs> um, anyway, we got to know each other, and you guys cooked up this brilliant feast of game. Uh, that that it was it was kind of great to start the whole. I, in my opinion, start the whole hunting experience out with the product of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the end result. So what do we have? We had duck, pheasant, and it was, it was amazing. And uh, I, I felt like at least culturally, while I was sitting in the cabin that night, that I'd, I was very comfortable. And I was, you know, I didn't feel out of place anymore. I didn't feel like I was, um, that you guys were, felt like you had to drag me around mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Because I think that might be uh, a hesitation for people, too, is nobody wants to feel like the weak link, you know. Um, but I, I didn't feel that whatsoever. Uh, anyway, woke up the next morning, thanks to seven dogs. <laughs> Very excited and wondering what the hell we were all doing still in bed. Uh, and then we went off, you know. I, 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 uh, this, I mean, my first uh, – my fr- so I'll make a little side note here. My son – my son and I have started this thing. He's in kindergarten, mm. and he has a hard time when he makes a mistake, right? He has, he gets, takes it really mm. hard, and it's it's some, so a way that we've been dealing with that is, at the end of every day, uh, we, when he's home, uh, we talk about what we each list our favorite mistake we made that day, mm. and how that and how that made us learn something, and then we celebrate it. We all have we have a treat, you know. So instead of it becoming Something that he dreads, it can be, you know, some, some ammo for later to get a treat, at yeah. least at least in the short term. So my first mistake, and my favorite mistake of that day, <laughs> was getting all the way uh, past breakfast <laughs> down the road and realizing I'd left that hunting license I worked so hard to get <laughs> back in my truck at Billy's Cabin and having to tell Bob that we had to turn around when we were going to be about right on time for the start of the hunt. Uh, so thank you for being gracious about that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that, <coughs> that was, uh, yeah, I thought I was off to a pretty rotten start, but we went back, got it, got out on the road and we got to, um, the field we were parking. It was public land, but we were parking on one of your friend Billy's yeah, farm, farms. right? Give a little, a little shortcut into the land. Yeah. Um, and the land was, was just kind of what I thought it would be. It was beautiful. It was 
like rolling prairie, some trees in the background. Uh, that was my first. I mean, I guess I've I've taken you know, I've run my dog on public land closer to Minneapolis, but that was my first uh, b- Billy walk, Billy <laughs> long walk through that kind of country. <coughs> um, uh, what I, one thing that I remember probably sticks out the most is the f- the the first walk when we get, when everybody got the guns out and loaded and the the change of the mood from just a bunch of dudes sitting around the trucks yapping to like okay it's time to hunt hmm. um and it all of a sudden you know the air got thick hmm. for me and because I, I had never seen a pheasant rise you know i didn't know what the hell is going to happen like yeah. where is it going to come from yeah. i make sure that there's five of us walking in the line so i got to make sure i stay in my little window if i do get a shot mm-hmm. um and so from there on out, it kind of felt like that the rest of the morning. Yeah, and it didn't take long, right? Because it, No, the it, first ones came up real quick. Right, because if I recall, Billy was on the field edge on the, our far left, and then you, Dave. Yep. And then, <coughs> then I was sort of in the center, uh, and then the two boys, Eric and, Eric and Chad, were off to my right. And we were less than 50 yards in. And of course, Eric and Chad start wailing away. Yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> they both shot the first pheasant. I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. Which I think, at, from a new person's new hunter's perspective, it's it sort of takes the anxiety out of the air when yeah. somebody else shoots. I'm glad it happened that fast. I'll say that. But so then I just assume it was going to happen every three minutes or whatever. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> After that, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, from there it. I guess that was also that was my first time too. Once they shot that first bird, because um, I couldn't see their dogs, they were kind of behind some cover when they hit mm-hmm. that bird. But then seeing the dogs start to go to work was really cool. I, that that's that's a, a beautiful art form to watch take place. And seeing them, they the second that we got out that they got on the field, they just completely changed. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just work, 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 work for them. You know. Yeah, I remember. I think the second bird was off a point from Esky. Okay. And I I remember, you know, just, I mean, it was just a beautiful day overall, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was a beautiful it, day. It was sunny. It was uh, chilly very, in the morning and yeah, it got warm later. Yeah. And, and, and the dogs, seven dogs, uh, all working really well together. Yeah. It, it was absolutely. In some sense, chaos, but it was chaos choreography too, uh-huh. or choreographed chaos. Right, because when they're running around, it looks like it's seven dogs running in circles, kind of. But they know exactly what they're doing, or at least it seemed like they did to right. me. And I, and I think they do. Uh, and my challenge, owning two of them, is keeping track of them. Uh-huh. And where are they? Um, and th- no matter who it is, if it's Bob and your dogs or the boys and their dogs, you need to have an awareness about where your dogs are. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just being new in the group, you kind of take that for granted. You're just watching dogs come racing by. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did I did notice that, I mean, everybody seemed to be keeping real close track of yep. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, lot of calling for them and beeps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the e-collar yep. beeping, yeah. I definitely and, heard Billy yelling a few times. Yeah, oh, yeah. You got yeah. her? <laughs> well, there's some four-letter words sometimes. <laughs> uh, but it is, and it's really fun yeah. that when you when you get to know a dog's personality, like what they do, because they each are a little different when they get birdie. And the retrievers <laughs> of Eric 
um, they just flush the birds. Right. And mine to a certain point, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's perfectly okay. Mm. But then, you know, and, and when we walked, and the cover, you know, sometimes people think you're just out for a, a nice stroll in this grass. Yeah, or on a trail or something. Yeah, yeah. and I looked for every trail I could find, yeah. and I couldn't. They didn't last long. I didn't see a trail. <laughs> but, you know, and it's, you you were so good with that, too. Mm, and, no, okay. and we we made some big turns and things like that, and that's difficult to do in a group, in a larger group like that. Yeah, I thought the group worked pretty well. Yeah, together. very well, really. As oh, far yeah. as staying out of each other's way, you know, and kind of staying in line. Sometimes Bob has a tendency to just kind of fade off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's normally because of a dog starts to fade off in a direction. Andrew's shaking his head. He's been it's, in it's, those it's situations. It's not sometimes. It's like, okay, we're, we're starting together at the truck. I'll, I'll see we'll you. We'll see you back here. Uh, yeah. Which doesn't always work well when there's cameras involved. He's like, there goes Bob again. Jeez. <laughs> Guy needs a lot of solo time. Right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> he needs time to think. It's yeah. okay. Well, it, that was I was curious about that. With I mean, that's that was the only time I've been pheasant hunting still. So that, but I was is that a large group? Five. Um, that's I mean, probably. When you guys, would you say there's a typical t- size? Typical, I would think. Uh, to Maybe me, it's a, little, a large group. Okay, yeah. Um, it's yeah, for sure. For sure, it's larger than you normally. Right. Hunt. Right. Um, there's a little bit of um, oh, it, geography plays into it. In sure. South Dakota, um, a five-person group is not very large. Really, um, no. in Minnesota, is that a cultural? It's a, a little bit of cultural. Uh. It's it's much more. You know, when you go to South Dakota, it's definitely a social group hunt. There's right. m- tends to be blockers. And, oh yeah. Whereas in Minnesota, you're working um, cover with a little different topography. Sure. So groups are. Probably two to six. But yet, when we did, we did split up a few times. <clears throat> yeah, when it made and sense s- for sure. And somebody went around a, a watered area, mm-hmm. and then the other three went around the other side right. and joined up again at the end. And, and I, I was, I was most impressed. And you got some shots ahead of time. Yeah. And try to cut. Co- and everybody was really conscious about. Gotta get Dave. Yeah, shot. I definitely felt that, which made me a little nervous to <laughs> not me. Like, it made okay, me you nervous. go out and walk up there, <laughs> and we're gonna scare the birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, don't fall over, Dave. <laughs> no, you you were really good. I was excited to, to, especially after seeing a couple of you guys taking shots and and hitting a couple of birds to try that part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was happy when that happened. Yeah, yeah, but it's, <clears throat> I tell you, for those of you that haven't done it, it's fast, man, Yeah, you know, and it's not fast at the same time. I feel like I'm seeing that first bird come up was was five minutes long, hmm. you know, before I shouldered my gun to shoot, um, but in the, in, in the, at this very same time, it was too fast, and I wish I could have done it again, huh. you know. So we walked, we started probably in the neighborhood of 9.30, 9.45. Yeah, it would have been 9.15 if I would have brought my license. <laughs> I didn't actually bring that up. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, there's truth in that. Yeah. Um, but it was Monday after opening weekend, and there wasn't any, you know, we were in a really big public area, and there wasn't anybody else. Yeah, there. that was great. It, we had it all to ourselves. Yeah. And um, so we we were walking... Um, you know, probably three hours in, and we're maybe halfway to a limit, right? And and then I think Billy, you hit a bird that uh, snapped 
Snap, your Brit, oldest Britney bailed you out. Yeah. Yeah, we were looking for that In one. In fact, that was, I was behind the group, and she came up on a, a, a just a small area of grass about the size of the table and locked up. And that was behind you, too. Didn't you shoot behind you on that? I thought I remember seeing you turn around. I was, I yeah, it was just behind me because yeah. we were walking along the edge, heading back. We had already made most of the big walk, mm-hmm. and she flushed the bird, flushed, and I turned around and shot, and knocked it down. Lo mm-hmm. and behold, and it was just a winged, and mm-hmm. the dog took off, and I knew that she was on the bird, and she was out of sight. And it always is a little bit unnerving on yeah, my end to I lose track of her. Mm-hmm. But I've done it before. And I remember she, she dove underneath some real gnarly brush, and the bird came out the other side, and the snap came out the other side, and then she tackled it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's and anybody that's listening, if you've been around a dog, and especially if it's your dog, when that dog brings a bird back to you, puts it and does that, trails a, a cripple and runs it down, retrieves it back to hand. I mean, I, I could beat my chest with yeah. a drum. How it proud, just right? feels so good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like the pinnacle of that it's relationship. It's unbelievable. Right? Yeah. It is. That, it is. It's, you know, having only owned non-hunting uh, uh, not hunting dogs my whole life i can't imagine any of my dogs not only well i can imagine getting a bird but i could never imagine them willing willfully bringing it back to me <laughs> and dropping it you know i think it would just be a pile of feathers so it's it's a beautiful thing to watch yeah. it's really cool and as we as we moved along that last 200 yards perhaps yeah and we were, I think, four or five birds short. Yeah, we. so I remember this so vividly because it, it was one of the high points of the season, right? Uh, it, it was just beautiful day. We had a soybean yeah. field on the left-hand side, right? We had a corn, pick corn field in front of us. Yep. And then there was more uh, WPA off to our right. So that, that same group... Um, Eric and Chad now are on the far soybean And they're trying edge. to stay away from birds. They're, they're trying, yeah. right? <laughs> they and, don't want to carry anymore. And, um, and then it's you, yeah. Billy, and then Dave and me, right. I think. And uh, we have six birds, so we, we can shoot two birds apiece. Ten is our limit, and we're at six. And we probably have, in the neighborhood, uh, 200 to 300 yards left can see the end we can see the end yeah we've had a marvelous day Mm -hmm. but then the storybook movie ending happens right (gasps) just popcorn and (laughs) it was because at first you know unbeknownst to us we had sort of funneled the birds towards this corner and pretty quickly two of them got out in front of eric and eric hildebrand um (laughs) Virtually never misses. No, this is true. Right? And, yeah, and I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then boom, boom. And now we're at eight. Yeah. Right? And we make another 100 yards. And um, Esky's on point right on the cornfield edge. Bird gets up in front of me. Now we're at nine. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you, Dave, have, have shot a couple times, but you haven't really had a cherry opportunity. Right. And... All right, take us from there because we're we're real close to the end. Well, I will say the f- f- uh, the f- first thing that happened r- immediately after that is a, a hen 
hopped up in front of me, and I was getting pretty itchy. At the end, you know? <laughs> and you were concerned about shooting a hen. How am I going to tell if it's a rooster or a hen? Initially, yeah. And then Initially. Uh, yeah. And then it, they're, it turns out they're pretty easy to tell apart. You're right. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's 10 yards in front of me, which is what that one was. Um, that came up. I shoulder the gun. Bob yelled hen. Put it back down. And just maybe five seconds later, rooster right up in, right in front of me. And... Um, Followed it over my head, and turned around and shot. Finally, <laughs> and it came down. And it came down. Number ten. No, it was that number that 10? was that was the tenth bird out of ten. That part I didn't ten remember. Limit. And they weren't more. done flushing though. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. There were more. there were more Brewsters that we could have kept shooting. It was, and Eric screams over. Well, How we, many have we got? Right, we started counting because they yeah. kept coming up. And uh, I do remember that I don't I don't remember if it was Eric or Chad, but there was one that came up as we were counting, and somebody had to yell, "Stop! Don't yeah. shoot!" Yep. Yeah. So that that was that. What would that have been? I don't know, fifteen minutes or something like that altogether. Oh, that, that final part that was probably maybe not even that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, probably about five. Was or six. so intense and so fun, and everybody was having fun. Right. You know, and to have that happen at the end of a walk like that, I mean, there's no better. We couldn't have scripted a better way. And I think if I if I could have designed that trip on paper before, I would say I'd like to shoot a bird at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And <laughs> right. end on that. Right. And Dave, so. I am sorry, but I have news for you. Yeah. Um, because that may not happen again. <laughs> yeah. like well, I was I was just gonna say, well, on the opposite end of the spectrum here. Um, so last year was also my wife's first year uh, hunting and carrying a gun. And in previous years, she's followed along with the camera, but she wanted to take that next step and really get into it. And uh, she caught wind that you guys were all going hunting together for opener. And she's like, "Oh, lucky!" I'm, I'm like, "Well, lucky for like." Billy and, and Bob to go with Dave or Dave to be able to go with Billy and Bob because it's going to work out pretty well for him. And, and then, uh, you know, she caught wind that you guys had just this marvelous day. And, like, for the rest of the season, she's because like, she has still yet to connect on a bird. I've gotten her a couple shots here and there, um, all public land hunting, but she has, hasn't sealed the deal yet. And she's like, Dave went out and had the magical day the very first time. What's I, going I on? used it up. What, what's going on here? And that, that kind of gets back to the, the point that uh, we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, we're, we're, we're not looking to actively recruit people in terms of like the army sense, right? But people right. need an introduction. Mm-hmm. And within that introduction, um, the mentors need to be able to help connect the dots for the new people in terms of the reasons why we like to do this. Um, just as a new hunter might have apprehension with firearms that we don't quite understand, well, they need to understand why we love hunting in general. Mm-hmm. So we need to, to say, you know, it's about being more connected to the outdoors. It's about being, be, being able to put food on the table and how it all works together. And you also have to make sure, you know, to Dave's point, that it's fun. Because mm-hmm. my wife still hasn't gotten everything. <laughs> right. But we need to make sure that we're still out there having fun. If that means, you know, we, we go to the bar afterwards to forget you know, some of those long walks, that, that's fine, too. I think that uh, also... One thing that I, I, I felt like I knew going in, but maybe that maybe other people don't. I don't know. But I think that if somebody's thinking about hunting, I was just hypothetically, they might be thinking about just the act of killing a bird. Right. Mm-hmm. Where um, and you guys do a great job of this on the radio and on this podcast where the experience, that's just one piece of it. Right. Mm-hmm. The experience is what we all enjoy. Right. Like that's the long walk and it's the dogs and it's just being out there with the other people and 
you know, the birds are a total bonus to me. I don't, I mean, I had obviously, as we were just talking about, I had a super lucky day that day for my first time, but had that not that final rush not happened, I would have had the same amount of joy at the end of the day. Right. Because it was such a beautiful thing to just be a part of that whole, the whole tradition for you guys to be invited into that was really sweet. And then to experience it in the field and just see what the whole activity is about. I mean, I could have watched you guys shoot birds all day and been fine, you know? And so I think it's important to, to convey to people out there that, <clears throat> I mean, A, it might be a while before you see anything, mm-hmm. shoot anything, but that's not the whole picture, you know? And, and I think also when you are hunting, there's always that chance. That's the thing. The next step. Yep is where it's going to happen. That's why it's hard to get off the lake sometimes, too. It really you know? is, the next mm-hmm. cast. Yep. Um, but that next step, and I, I'm fortunate having done it for such a long, long time, and I, I really think that now for myself, the the getting is not that important. Yeah. It's the friends I'm with. Mm-hmm. It's the family I'm with. It's just going. And the dogs have gotten to be such an essential part of hunting and it's not that way in the beginning yeah um, you don't start that way right. but i guess if i was going to tell somebody it, it to start i would definitely include a dog experience <clears throat> oh yeah because i think that's a, as big a part in fact somebody i don't know if it was where i heard this but oh i read it in um in the pheasant book that we oh, Pheasant Dogs with Keith Crowley. Wonderful book. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he, he questions, he asks each person that he interviews is, if you didn't have a dog, would you keep doing it? And for me, the answer is easy. Yeah. Unequivocally, right. no. Yeah. I couldn't imagine walking well, that on that trip without the dogs there. No. You know, it wouldn't have seemed to have made any sense. Yeah. Anyway, after seeing it. And there's some things you can hunt, in my opinion. Oh, sure. I'm sure it's possible. And expect success. Right. I think waterfowling is an excellent example, Mm -hmm. Um, as long as you do your scouting and everything else. But pheasant hunting, it's a whole different ballgame. And it's one that I wouldn't trade for the world. And I'm so excited that you had a good time. Oh, me too. And that was to everybody. I know Eric and Chad and I talked about this, how important it was to us. Yeah, that you have a, a great experience. Well, I could, f- I I really appreciate that. I mean, that that's something that I could feel the whole day, and I, I would, you know, I didn't expect that, and I wouldn't have been offended if it wasn't that no. way. But it 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 made it made me feel like uh like I was part of that group of people instead of like an extra person. You know what I mean? The other the other piece, you know, after the hunt is done, <clears throat> you know, a lot of folks overlook that there's some work to do. Yeah. And that's yeah. Right? <laughs> Cleaning birds, yeah. right? And you you rolled up your sleeves and said, "All right, I I was part of taking this bird's life. Let's let's get to the next well, yeah, part absolutely. of it too." That's the part of the process, yeah. And and I was really excited to see that component as well. You dove in, helped clean the bird, and what was exciting is to hear the stories of the meals with your with Lucy and yeah. Jack, the two kids, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Because you they came were back. Blo- they were blown away, you know, that, that you did what? <laughs> you know, it, it, that was cool to be able to share that with them. Um, and they were, they, you know, my daughter is eight, my son's six, um, and they were so excited to hear about the whole experience. And it's, a, it's really something I hope I can get them into. 
and they're they just coming along. And I remember as as a child, as a small child, on a weekend when my father would go hunting, and we would have a chance to come along, uh-huh. and th- we'd have a lunch, and we'd hang around by the car, by the car and and play with stuff. I remember one time I hit a pheasant, and Dad was going to come back and see this bird. I took so much pain and uh, 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 so careful to pose it. <laughs> I lost the bird. <laughs> he had to get the he had to get his dog, his Brit down there and his snap in, in order to find the dang bird. <laughs> so and there's fun stories and yeah. and these stories that go along with hunting hand in hand live on forever mm-hmm. as bob can attest because i never forget no <laughs> and I, yeah meredith my wife makes fun of me like i can't remember certain events in, in our lives together but it, you know we're out in uh, every point uh, though right? oh yeah every point like <laughs> oh yeah a trammel right here underneath this tree she pointed that double do you remember that meredith's looking at me like it's 54 oh, degrees outside yeah you forgot my birthday <laughs> did you remember this <laughs> you know oh i remember opening day that was opening day, and Chad and I are behind Bob uh-huh. in a wonderful point. <laughs> and this bird gets up. It's like a 747. <laughs> and he gets up, and he's going in slow motion like this straight away. And he angles off to one side, and Bob's gun comes up. And I'm thinking, I didn't even take my gun off my shoulder. And I, he's got this. <laughs> waits and waits, and I, I hear, Bang! Bird's still going. I thought to myself, not a problem. He's got this one. We didn't have anything yet. <laughs> and he fires his second shot, and it keeps going. Ah. And Chad and I looked at each other wide-eyed and started to break out <laughs> in laughter. <laughs> there, there is something to the that comment of, um, you know, the ones you miss are the ones you remember the longest. That's true. Sure. And you, you're making sure that's yeah. very true because <laughs> you bring up that story literally. Like it was what? it was so unique and so much fun, and probably so unlike you too. Oh, I think yeah. that yeah, that's We've it. All well, we well, everybody I'm sure misses, but you know, it wouldn't be a it was good of a story if I missed that bird. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you've been on one pheasant hunt. Uh-huh. You've been on. Did we go on two grouse hunts or Just one? One. Gr- one grouse hunt. Yeah. And um, will you hunt again? I will. It's so much so that I've uh, already blocked time on my calendar in October have because you really? I, with the band, you know, our our touring, we're we're book we book almost a year ahead of time, so I got to get a jump on it. But yeah, I'm already ready. Good. And you you made a purchase too. I did. Yeah, I bought a I bought a twelve gauge. <laughs> we got to try it out today for my very first time. Yeah, we so before the podcast today, we shot clays and uh, and we we got the Browning synergy a few rounds through it. Yes, <clears throat> and it was fun. Uh, it was a blast. Yeah. yeah, as I thought it would be. Um, couple couple other thoughts, you know, and I know you appreciated public lands before the hunt. But just watching your social media feed, you know, mm-hmm. your Instagram account, which is Dead Man Winter, right, yeah, at that's Instagram. Right. Yeah. You know, you were at uh, Woody Guthrie Museum here recently, yeah. right? Yeah, and, down in Tulsa. And you, you posted about public lands related to, to some of the Woody Guthrie's music. Yeah. And when I see you out um, running your dogs, you're posting about public lands. How did the hunting experience change your view of this natural resource uh well it gave me a much wider appreciation for it that's for sure because i i'd never really used it before you know and there's also 
I guess I would honestly say that I wasn't, I mean, I've been aware of it and I've been to them, but I don't think my awareness was maybe correct, if that makes sense, mm. of what it was. Um, I, it's, it's an incredibly important and rare maybe and a beautiful resource that is all over, I don't know anything about other states' public lands, but I've been looking, you know, I've researched Minnesota's now and we have a lot and I mean, we always want to have some more, right. but I mean, like compared to a lot of places, it's pretty special. And I say it that way because it's become apparent to me that that needs to be protected right. and that having that is, is, um, it's something that, that we as a people have demanded that we need. And we've been able to keep those things as they are, um, as habitats, wild habitat, which is really hard to find, like yeah. actual wild habitat, you know, I mean, you know, better than anybody that it's not, it's, it takes a little bit to keep uh, other interests away from land. Land is very valuable to people. Well, and this public lands is a topic that uh, is about as near and dear to your heart, Captain, as, as there is. As your entire hunting um you know, f as a retired guy, almost all of your hunting experiences and how you brought your boys into the outdoors mm -hmm. exists in public lands in central Minnesota. And some of the public lands when I was growing up were not public. They right. were private. Sure. And I knew the owners. Mm -hmm. um, and then they became public and those, lands. And that's still the name of those places it for is. you. <laughs> yeah. It is. There's yeah. Coopers and... Mm -hmm. uh, but it's don't try to find that on the map anybody <laughs> Billy has his own map yeah and but those that's how my boys grew up yeah was hunting public lands and they will continue to hunt public lands and so will I and it's it's so special and I don't care if it's turkeys if it's deer if it's pheasants uh, it's all on public land and I'm not unique. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's an awful lot of people because the family farms don't for most people exist anymore. Right. When I was young, we had relation that were all farmers. And they kept that land And they hunting, kept right? it available. Right. So we could hunt that or we'd hunt friends of Uncle Paul and friends of Uncle Guy. Sure. And we all knew them. And we could ha we had access to their land, but they're long gone, and so is the the land. Mm -hmm. And it's farmed intensively in a lot of places, yeah. and there's not much left. And I, I encourage people now this time of year, before everything is planted, before the frost is totally out of the ground, go for a ride in your favorite hunting ground, and then look at the upturned ground that is plowed and look and see you're going to find pockets of water those pockets of water once held cattails right and they once held water and the water filtered through those cattails back into the aquifer now we run water because we it, water means nothing to too many people mm -hmm. and we run it off the ground as fast as we can and in a lot of cases we run it into into public lands into wetlands and along with it go fertilizers and chemicals, yeah, and then they talk right. about the degraded wetlands in, in Minnesota, where it used to be teeming with ducks when I was a kid. Now there's very few ducks out in, in most a, in places. In one lifetime, you can see that change, That's right. right. Mm. That's right. And I, I think that people, people, if they keep 
if they keep the same attitude, it's dangerous. Yeah. And there two more people need to see a concern and be aware of that. And I think the best way you begin an awareness is through hunting and through being out there. Even just being out there, right? Yeah. And not only just for game, you know, but for I mean how how many how many species do those public land areas support? So many. Oh. You know, that would that are connected to everything else that we see. Right. You know, um, every part of the food chain's in there, you know, and it, it's it's uh, it's so important to keep those things. The well, I, won't, I don't know if I want to say the way they are because I'd love to see them expanded, but and just keep they, keep they that land. Better. Yeah, they can always get better, right? But um, and, and I think that all people really need to do if they if they're serious and want to see this, is get up before sunrise. And go out to some public land near a, a swamp or a marsh and take a chair with you right. and a thermos of coffee and just sit. Listen Maybe a special look. sandwich. Yeah, a special <laughs> It would become special. But just sit and watch the sun glow on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And as it starts to come up, you'll see the world and hear the world come back to life. The sad thing is I think that's too much to ask for a lot of people to do, you know? But you're, I think once, you, once you've made that, you're totally right, though. I mean, once you see something like that, that place, you realize how special it is. Yeah. I mean, you can't help but be connected when, something, when you sit in a scene like that. It's just most, I think most people just don't ever get that for themselves. They don't go there. And, and you'll be surprised how much better you feel. Absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing like that. There really. isn't. No. So as we talk about, you know, public lands in the relation connection to hunters hunters were the very first conservationists right? Absolutely. The, the, these public lands wildlife refuges national parks exist largely because of hunters and the mm -hmm. dollars that have mm -hmm. been directed towards them but we're in something of a crisis in this country of loss of hunters and in those dollars going to habitat and, and something we care so deeply about so we started this podcast talking about you know, R3, recruit, retain, uh -huh. reactivate, new hunters. So Billy as a multiple-time mentor and Dave as a new hunter, you know, give us some advice for for folks that may be listening that haven't hunted before, a little bit of advice on what to look for in your experience, or even if you want to offer advice to mentors to think about when they're talking to new people. <coughs> sure. Uh, I, well, I think from somebody not only that didn't grow up a hunter, but also not even really in the scene of that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so from an outside point of view, uh, which I guess is where you'd have to recruit from people that aren't affiliated with it in right. any way. I think that, and I think Pheasants Forever has been doing a very good job of this, but it's, uh, I think, you know, image is kind of everything, right? Mm. Um, the image of the hunter, and they're not trying to not trying to change what hunting is and who, like you know, the guys sitting at this table are, because you guys are, um, the, you know, you just spoke to it. It's the respect for the game, the conservation involved. I think leaning a little bit more on that side of things attracts people even before they think about mm -hmm. hunting, because I think a lot of people really care about environment and and quality of land. And key and the idea of land being public and and that kind of thing that might not necessarily be have you know interested or have never been hunting before, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's you know, if I had the answer, I guess I would. No, have it's, already a, told it's you good. When, when, it, it, when it, I think about that, you know, it is, you know, we all know quote unquote slob hunters. Yeah, right? and we always say, oh, they give us a bad name. It's like. Well, they really give us a bad name. Well, yeah, right? especially nowadays, as you spoke to earlier, when there's guns involved, it, it the image can be can be spun in a dark way so very easily, I right. think. And I think also in more urban areas, like um, the idea of a, of a hunter might even seem a little bit old-fashioned now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Though what we were talking about before, I think there's a real opportunity in the 20-something-year-old uh, who's now very into local and organic food and environmental conservation. I mean, there's so much of the same attitudes are right there. And and it's, it's a fertile ground, you know? Like, well, if you, if you like, if you like want to know what farm your food came from, maybe you should try it. Let's go out and get it ourselves, you know? Right. And, and, you know, you can put your money into an organization that is, that's saving land right in your neighborhood, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think there's that's where I would look anyway. And thank you for being a Pheasants Forever member, by the way. Yeah, you, absolutely. You didn't get anything for free. Yeah, you, you became <laughs> a, a Magna member. I saw it cross on the, uh, the e-commerce site, and you proudly have the Pheasants Forever sticker on, on the truck we call Bacon. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, that conservation has always been one of my most important when i think about voting or money you know public money that's the the top of my list is land because i feel like that it's always going to be an uphill battle and it needs a lot of help and whether you want it because you want to go hunt on it and that's it or you want it because it's just a beautiful place Mm -hmm. you know and we don't have as many of those anymore um, you know, we need it for the, the environmental health of all of our land and water. We need those places to filter stuff out. There's that side. Um, I am also a big fan of sitting and watching the sun come up yeah. in a in a wild place. So there's a lot of reasons for me to like it. Um, so it was an easy decision there. It's interesting that in the, he he basically just pointed out the fact that you know hunting is a PR problem. I right? think I, I mean yeah, I'll be honest. I sure I think it does. Mm-hmm. And, you know when I talk on um, uh, you know the music uh, industry is probably pretty far away and sure. on a on the couple spectrums, and so I'm talking to other bands, um, especially last fall when we just went hunting and I was kind of excitedly describing my experience to people. None of them had ever been out really? or even thought about hunting. You know, really rare. Um, and so they're, they're right there. It was really fun to, for me to describe it um, from maybe somebody that thought might not be a typical, you know, I'm using quotes right now, uh, hunter in their opinion, which is not really based on anything. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's mostly image probably. Well, and that's where it comes back to the whole connecting the dots for people. You mm-hmm. can't assume they know anything, right? Yeah. Like we all have to do a better job of being good storytellers. It's, I also want to say that I qualify that by saying I don't think the image of a hunter is bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, but and we just need to do a better job of telling like why it's important to us and the yeah. great things that we do, right? Yeah, and and I yeah, I think it's just sharing like you said, sharing stories about it. And maybe that especially I think stories that involve a lot more than shooting a limit or or the or the which you know the end product of the the hunt the killing of the animal but the, all of the other beautiful things around the sport um i don't think people understand that part of it and i i think too it has to be more than just a one-time experience yeah 
And you said uh, that about taking kids fishing too before, yeah, right? And but I, I do. I think whether it be adult or or whatever, before people dive in financially, yeah, and make an investment, they have to have some confidence that it's something they want to do. And I, I think that a lot of us could do a better job of, of helping. Follow it, following up, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and making it available to people if they're, if they're interested in doing it. Um, I'm very careful about who I bring into it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there's a thing, too. I think you kind of have to be, right? Because you need to be able to spend time with that person. Yeah. And, you know, be able, it has to be somebody that you're confident in. From both ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if everybody, you know, and it's not, it's not, your not everybody's responsibility to do it, but if you'd like to share it, I feel like if everybody shared it with somebody, there you go. You know, half those people might continue to do it and there's a big bump. Maybe there's other, maybe there's ways to kind of cooperate that in some way. As you were talking with your musician friends, Mm -hmm. how many of them have, have said all right, I'm willing to give that a try. You're you're pretty enthusiastic. A few, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a I've got a lineup waiting for you to take a <laughs> <All them right>. money. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get those October you, dates you, on our you, calendar. You might have to uh, you might have to start like a guide service or something. <laughs> Do you know Pearl Jam? <laughs> I I I I won't say that I'm su- I'm surprised either because I think that I think that. In my experience, the people I talk to are generally open to trying anything. Yeah. But nobody's brought it up to them before. Huh. You know, nobody's asked like, "Do you want to go hunting?" Mm-hmm. You know, our our guitar tech and and uh, my dear friend DJ was was kind of similar to that. He had, I think, he had maybe hunted a couple times as a kid, mm-hmm. and just hasn't done it since then. And I t- was, we were talking about it. And he's like, "Man, I would really love to go out and do that." And um. It's pretty much just like, a, you know, nobody's, no, it's never yeah. come up, you, yeah. know? you know? He would totally do it, but nobody said and it. Banjo Dave, too. He really wants to join in. Absolutely. And the other thing is, hunting is a, it, it can be quite a precious thing. Mm. And, yeah. and something that people, some folks are not willing to share um, because it's quite sacred. Right. And I, I respect that also. I do, too. And I, I bet a lot of people probably don't want any more hunters out there <laughs> taking up their <laughs> There is that school spots, of thought, there right? Is. Yeah, yep. for sure. Uh-huh. But uh, that, uh, and I get why, but it's a short-sighted view of, it is. of, you know, caring. If you want this to continue for generations, and when I say this, uh, that's a big this, yeah, right? Public this. lands, clean water, opportunity to wildlife, you know, sustainable wildlife. If you think just about me, myself, and I, and what I'm going to get in my opportunity for one generation... It's well, that's, go away that's kind of the attitude we're fighting against in general, yeah. Right. But if you stop and think about it, every person that you bring in to the sport that begins to believe mm-hmm. in the viability of it is another advocate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they're telling, they're telling people to. Yeah. And they're then eventually, hopefully, they're donating and, and getting involved in some way to actually keep them around. Right, because if, if the hunters go away, there's going to be a lot less of a lot smaller group of people right. demanding that those lands stay public. Right. You know? right. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're seeing that within the last 10 years. I'm sure. Right. You just, you know, we need, and for so many people, you know, hunting has been a private, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, pastime, private experience. It's a getaway. Yeah. And, it's an escape. And it, it, exactly. It, you know, what you talked about at the very beginning, you know, the city folks going back to their roots right. to completely get away. And at the same time, there's more apathy about getting involved in the legislative process. Like, oh, I can't make a difference. And you have all those things spinning together, and it becomes even more daunting. But I think you don't have to have one or the other. Mm. You can have you can have it be a getaway, and you can share it. You know, it's not like you have to bring a new person hunting every time you go out in the field. Maybe once a year, take somebody out, yeah. you know? And then the rest of the time, go off and do whatever. But you guys have also proven that that you can change the legislature, mm-hmm. not change the legislature, but you can make a difference in how right. they vote right. because you've gone you know, through groups like you guys. Uh, you've it's you got a track record of doing that, yeah. and if it wasn't there, it's pretty easy to see where the decisions would have been made differently. Right. Well, and and along with that comes friendships. Yeah. When you are a field, and that's how you and I began became very good friends. Right. And I, I see you, and I look at you as a friend now after the one experience that we had together. Me too. Um, so those things are, are very important to humanity <coughs> also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've got to talk. In this world of social media, it's easy not to, and it's easy to be critical. But I'll tell you what, you get out in the field, and you're having a blast, mm-hmm. And it's all stories. Bob still misses, and I'm still <laughs> laughing. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you to bring up the the time my my oldest short hair held onto a frozen gray squirrel. Oh, that was Pasco. great. That was so <laughs> fun. It, you know, it, there's or the certain, time Bob got story. stuck in a in a ditch oh, yeah, in a drift. Oh, I had no. to pick him up. Yeah, that, yeah well, obviously Quick I'm sand. a shorter guy, and I did. Uh, we were in a really after a big snowstorm, and. I took the wrong way around this slough, <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I buried myself. <laughs> no way to get out of that either. Huh? Uh, I think it might, I have, been, it I might d- have been the same hunt. I came around this field edge, this wood edge, and there's Bob. I see him kneeling down with Trammel, trying, and this is his brand new dog, trying to pry his jaws apart to take this old dried up frozen oh, no. squirrel carcass from his mouth. He was so proud, too. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had no idea. And it was just, uh, I can still see it, kneeling down, trying to pry this dog's jaws, and he wasn't letting go. That was his. But, you know, those are some of the the magical things that happen when you're yes. on it, right? That's they, another thing you're trying to keep alive. Yeah. You know, that's the, a byproduct of the, the activity is it's life, like the best stories of your life, right? Yeah. The ones that you keep you telling. Know, in reality, I, I wish Billy's dog would have had his jowls around that frozen See, my dogs squirrel. don't do that. So I could tell the story, <laughs> but it's always the other way around. My dogs have, a, my other, my last golden had an affinity for skunks. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> And there's stories that we have about skunks. We have skunk, yeah, we have skunk stories. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Like Bob driving from Michigan when he doesn't read the directions on how to get rid of the smell. It, it, he just opens the window. Uh, <laughs> I, it seems in my outline we have to move to closing thoughts have, now. Did you have those, those stories on there? I don't see them. <laughs> I think we might have come up with a whole new podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm, well, this won't be the only time the captain's on, uh, on the podcast. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, as, as we as we do close down um, this podcast, and we think about friendships and, and 
mentoring and public lands. Are there any final thoughts that uh, you want to leave the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever audience with about um, anything we've talked about today? I, I think for myself, I've gone and spoken to a number of different high school classes over the years, and and I encourage um, especially juniors and seniors in high school to, to uh, if you're somebody, encourage them to go out and, and get involved in hunting because they have, one, they're mobile. Mm-hmm. They don't depend on somebody. Mm-hmm. Two, many of them have firearm safety, and they're not intimidated if they want to take it online. And three, they've got dollars to spend and looking for something to believe in. And if, they, if people can get them going now, in this stage of their life, they'll probably hunt for a long, long time. And uh, I, I just think that uh, we're missing the so-called boat mm-hmm. on these high school kids. Because as they go off, I know my oldest went to Bemidji State, and I think that he spent most of his financial aid money buying uh, goose decoys. He <laughs> 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 could have done a lot worse than that. Yeah. I understand. And, you know, he, he had certain classes that he wouldn't take because they interfered with duck hunting that morning in the mornings up there. Yeah, we can't really blame him for that either. Huh? <laughs> so it, it's, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, it's something that's you can also do it when you get to be an old guy like me yeah and you can have as much fun if not more fun introducing new folks right yeah. and still be passionate about the sport mm-hmm. um, i guess i would say from the other point of view from the other side is that um you know you're saying to <coughs> to f- go to these kids or these people and and take them out. And I would say from the people being asked, or maybe you haven't been asked, but you'd like to try the sport, give it a shot, you know, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, It's, it's, uh, I can, if you, if I'll be your example, uh, and um, I'm happy to do that and just say that I didn't know what I was doing either. And it was, it's one of the favorite, my favorite things I've, I've done, and I can't wait to do it more. So the worst that can happen is you have a bad time and you go home. And following along with what you said, if you're looking to get involved in the sport, nobody asks you, invites you, Yeah, join a Pheasants Forever chapter. Oh, they'd be more than happy and to figure it that out for is, you. And that's a, a, a ticket right. to get to know people who are also passionate and tell them you'd like to get involved. They'll make time <clears throat> for you. Yeah. Guaranteed. That's a great idea. Guaranteed. Right. Yeah, I was lucky to have, you know, be invited uh, but I, may, I imagine there's people out there that would that would totally try, want to get out and and you know go bird hunting or or whatever they want to go hunting in some way. Um, but just the first step is trying to. You need somebody to show you how to do it. Right. It's it. You know mm. you can you can. It's not something that you can just read up on and go do. You have to, it has to have a personal connection. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And so as if there's willingness on that side of the coin for people, you know, like in this organization that really want new hunters. And there's willingness for, from people on the other side that really want to try it. Let's figure out how to connect those two things together. Well, even I will take people hunting. You might not get anything, yeah. but, but I'll, 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 <laughs> well, I'll take you, right? It, and it, the getting is secondary. Right. Yeah, but it, I, I guess, like, my closing thought would, you know, continue to or be a good ambassador for all the hunters out there. Mm-hmm. But um, in that kind of same vein, be aware and have an openness to other people's authentic interest. Um, so, you know, Dave's talking about sharing his stories with other people. A lot of times we just like to talk about what we've done and how excited we are. 
Um, and if you see someone that actually kind of is genuinely interested in what you're talking about, take it to that next level. Be like, right. Well, would you ever want to try this? Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes that one question is left out and we're missing out on building that bridge right there. So just be, be aware of people's reactions to the stories that you tell, I guess. yeah, it's good words of wisdom, and I'll follow up on that and say, you know, we're, we'll commit to taking Allie out uh, <laughs> off your hands. No, Thank you. Uh, Thank so you. So Allie can join us next year as, as our uh, – I'm not sure if we'll extend an invitation to you. I mean, I've got two dogs now, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's got to click at some point. <laughs> um, all right, so my final question is I, – I, Dave, I know you, you, you write – um, all sorts of songs, right? And you read Jim Harrison. Uh-huh. And I'm curious, has this influence, has hunting in the outdoors influenced your songwriting at all? And it's it's very early, obviously. Yeah, but that would be my answer. Is okay. that, uh, for me, usually ex- experiences, specific experiences, larger experiences, kind of have to marinate in me for a while before I start noticing them show up. Hmm. But that being said, uh I can't imagine it won't. Hmm. Um, but I and I, this I won't tell the long version of this. But I when I write, it's 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 not it's not. I don't often write in a way where I'll take a specific event and write a song about it. You know right. what I mean? Sure. It usually is just kind of a conglomeration of all those things in there coming out in different ways. And a lot of times I won't even notice it until after it's done. Hmm. So. Uh, I'll keep an eye out for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, believe me, uh, I'll be looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a couple inside jokes. In there. <laughs> well, guys, uh, this has been a really fun experience. Yeah, uh, thank for you me. for having us. You know, equally as fun as, as sharing a field, um, talking about it and reliving the memories. And um, Dave will have to figure out when those dates you have protected on yeah. your October calendar so the rest of us can protect them and uh-huh. and figure out a – Oh, maybe a special WPA in central Minnesota, Minnesota to relive it again in 2019. I would love it. All right. Bob will probably be gone, so you and I will get <laughs> <Yeah>, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, that's the Captain Billy Hildebrand. You can listen to the captain steering the radio ship. And uh, we didn't have to go to break one time. We, there was no commercial. <laughs> We've talked for uh, almost almost two hours captain and um and i guess it's more like an hour and a half um but 6 a.m to 8 a.m kfan.com in the twin city well anywhere really Mm -hmm. um podcastable podcastable fm 100.3 in the twin cities with affiliates in across minnesota south dakota north dakota parts of iowa and wisconsin even um Thank you very much, Captain. You can Great look fun. up the Captain social media at Captain KFAN on Twitter. I created that for him. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Kicking and screaming, I was drug into it, too. Well, thank you for it being was, on the show, and, and thanks great for fun. your friendship. Thank you. Uh, Andrew, thanks very much for uh, returning your your triumphant return to, on the wing. Welcome I'm back. Just glad Andrew. I wasn't banned. Like I was getting <laughs> nervous there. I was like, okay, I, I can do this again. Great. <laughs> and Dave, thanks for, very very much for uh, being willing to open up into um, you know hunting as as in some a new adventure for you. It's been an absolute thrill. 
to kind of show you the ropes here and uh, very excited to, to take you further down the road. The pleasure is all mine. All right, folks, that was the Captain Billy Hildebrand, Dave Simonette, and Andrew Vavra. I'm Bob St. Pierre. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of On the Wing Podcast with Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. If you're not currently a member, look us up at pheasantsforever.org or quailforever.org. Do what Dave Simonette does. Join Pheasants Forever. (laughs) Thanks, folks.